When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and the restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. If the Indians make the playoffs this year, it would be Tito's finest managerial performance of his career. Just given the circumstances, at least early on this season, the injuries that are that are continuing to pile up, the fact that his roster was just stripped down to the bones, the, the, the nails, if you will, the floorboards, and then he's got this $40 million payroll to work with, and he's still finding ways to win. So we'll get into that right now, actually, as we go out to the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. We have Tommy Caroselli of the Gap to Gap podcast of Breakdown joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at tcaroselli8. Also, a coach for baseball over at Solon High School. Tommy, appreciate you coming on, man. Really, really appreciate you joining us this morning. Thanks for having me, Spencer. I appreciate it. First thing I got to ask you is, as someone who's a, who's a coach manager himself, how cringeworthy is it to watch that Javier Baez play against the Pirates? <laughs> Man, it, 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 you look at it and you're like, what, what are we doing, Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh. <laughs> it's just take two steps back, touch first base, you're out of the inning. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the wildest plays. I, I was like scrolling through Twitter the other day and I saw that come up and I was like, what? How like how do you let this type of thing happen? I mean, smart on Javi Baez, I guess, to like catch the fact that he was off the bag and see if he would follow him. But I was just like, my goodness! Like if that doesn't sum up the Pirates right there, that's that's uh, I think that does. So um, next thing I want to get into, or right off the bat, really, the thing I want to get into is just this Tony Larusa stuff. Um, again, from a managerial standpoint, somebody who's yourself who's been around the game, who knows the game, Tony Larusa obviously has made some headlines being classic get-off-my-lawn Tony Larusa, calling out his players for breaking the unwritten rules. And look, I understand Tony Larusa is one of the best managers in this game. He, he certainly earned the clout that he has, but are we supposed to just accept that because he's Tony Larusa and his team is in first place that he's right and we're not? Or can we honestly say, like, he's out of touch here? Like, he's in maybe in the wrong? I think he's definitely in the wrong. And I think that... that- you're right. He's earned the benefit of the doubt. He's earned the the, um, the the clout that he's gotten. But the problem is that he hasn't been a, around a clubhouse in quite some time. And in that time, we've seen just a new metamorphosis of the game where the, the unwritten rules are kind of going by the wayside. The, uh, the, the, the player is more empowered than we've ever seen. And to see him consistently throwing his players under the bus in this scenario, in these scenarios that are coming up is just bizarre to me, to me. And like, you, you look back at the initial thing with uh, your mean Mercedes um, 
he he kind he's like, oh, we'll deal with it in the family, and I think that's the right way of handling it. But then he doubles down and says he was wrong, he was this, he was that, and and I, I like every turn after he said we'll deal with it within house has been wrong for him, and and, and it, it it stinks because I look at other other guys that I think are in that same managerial class in terms of like age as. Tony LaRusso, that guy who like Ron Washington, who's been in a clubhouse in Atlanta uh, and, and then going back further to um, to Texas, I think he would have been much more suited to have a pulse of that team. I mean, you look at that White Sox team. They're young, they're energetic, they're swaggy. Like, man, that team just goes out and gets after it every day. And and I think you got to have a manager that fits the personality of your team. And unfortunately, Tony just doesn't fit that bill of goods anymore. Yeah, no, he he absolutely does not. And I like the words you use. They're swaggy. Like they are, they are a very swaggy team. They're a hot pick to maybe win the World Series or go to the World Series. Um, so a lot of promise there. You, you know, you mentioned Ron Washington. I think that's a good comparison. I mean, another example. I know he's got fourteen. I know I know Larusa has fourteen years on Terry Francona. But at least looking from a local perspective, like I think about Terry Francona as an older guy who you know he's seen these unwritten rules. He's he's seen this game. But even he, like, he he's one of the most connected managers to his team that I that I think I've ever seen. Like, he always is out there to to back his guys. He doesn't care so much about the unwritten rules. He does seem very open to the game evolving over time and not just staying the same. And it's it stinks that a team like the White Sox that is young does have a talented roster that kind of they they lose that. And the fact that their manager just isn't willing to accept that, and he's just so old school. And again, I'm not saying that he hasn't earned the right to do things the way that he does them, but you gotta try to like understand the game today and your players today. I, I do wonder what that does to this locker room or this clubhouse as the season continues. Like, does it deteriorate, or is it just because they're so good? Maybe they're winning in spite of him, but it ends up working out. Yeah, I see that for sure. Because because you go back to again the Yermin Mercedes situation, you know uh, Lance Lynn comes up and it comes up and says, you know, you got a position player pitching at that point, all bets are off. And then those comments get back to Tony Larusa, and he says, well, that's why he has a locker and I have an office. Like, man, you got to have a better pulse of your team. You got to have a better connection to your team. And you mentioned Terry Francona, and, and I agree, he's definitely one of the better guys that we've seen. Um, kind of blending into the identity of whatever that team wants to be. If they want to be a by-the-book team, they can they can be that. If they want to be a team that goes out and has fun, that's what we saw in 16 and 17. And, and that's why those teams have had success. It's why Terry Francona has two rings on his fingers. You know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. No, 100%. And So, yeah, I'm interested to see how this all plays out because I do think the White Sox are good enough to win in spite of La Russa. I also know if they win – the organization is going to look and say, oh, well, you know, we have a good manager here. Of course we're winning. And, that, and that's where the dilemma will come in. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out, whether or not Tony LaRusso, whatever happens to the White Sox this year, is retained or if the disconnect continues and then they end up saying, like, well, he's just bad for our organization right now. we got to move on. So that'll, that'll certainly be something that baseball fans are keeping an eye on. Let's move on to this next thing here, which is the, the no-hitter conversation. I, I had a chance to listen to – your last, the last podcast you guys put out for the Gap to Gap podcast. And again, Tommy Caroselli joining us on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Um, we've seen now, if you count Madison Bumgarner's seven inning no-no, which most people don't, we've had seven, which is the record for a season alone, or ties the record, I should say. 
but we have at least six if we're talking true no hitters. Um, what is the no hitter? Um, is th- this is the opposite of what baseball needs, right? Like we don't need Absolutely. more no hitters. Absolutely. They and like it's it's a weird catch twenty two is they want. So the MLB has, has kind of made it a point we want to shorten the game. Well, nothing's going to get shorter than a no-hitter. But at the, in the same breath, they say, well, we want more offense. We want to see right. more doubles in the gap and less home runs. So we're going to alter the baseball. We're going to lower the seams. We're going to make it harder for that ball to fly out of the yard. Uh, okay, well, that also turns a, a two-seamer that might cut two inches to now it cuts six inches. And now that thing is going to be so incredibly tough to hit. The, the no-hitter as a whole – it almost is becoming less impressive because, like, obviously we see a guy like Corey Kluber who, you know, up until this year I jokingly said his arm hasn't been right since the Obama administration. <laughs> and now all of a sudden he's out there throwing a no-hitter for the Bronx Bombers. So at what point do does MLB take the action to swing the pendulum in the other way and say, okay, how do we increase more offense? And I think, I think Rob Manfred as a whole – has his hands full in trying to figure out what that balance is going to look like versus just let the game be the game. We've seen peaks and flow or peaks and valleys of, uh, of offense, offensive curves and defensive curves throughout history of baseball. It's just what's happened. And now that we're getting athletes being to, I mean, realistically the peak per- levels of performance that we've seen in human history, we're going to find out what baseball at its truest form looks like and I think Manfred's got to take his hands off we don't need bigger bases we don't need to ban the shift I can understand the argument for robot umpires but altering the 108 stitches on the baseball is not the answer yeah and it's interesting because you know they say they want more offense too well you just had that like the previous years we were setting records for the number of home runs that were being hit you know it's the old saying you know chicks dig the long ball that I mean that is what people want to see. It's why people want to see dunks in basketball. It's why people want to see deep touchdown passes in football. Like that, They want to see offense, but then you do something in deadening the baseball that then takes away from that. I, I agree. Like, I, and no, It's no disrespect to any of these guys who are throwing no-hitters, but like, who goes into the year thinking, like, yeah, Spencer Turnbull is going to throw a no-hitter? Or Corey Kluber, yeah. at the age he's at now, after all the issues he's had, is going to throw a no-hitter. And, and look, we love Corey Kluber, obviously, here in Cleveland, but – that that was bizarre, and of course it had Yankees fans. I thought it was hilarious. Like all these Yankees fans were like, "Oh, Corey Kluber's back, best story in baseball." And then he got pulled from his last start because he got injured again. So it's like, <laughs> you know, it's 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 just not good for the game when we're getting one of these like almost once a week. I mean, that's what we were averaging. I think until this week, we were getting at least one yeah. no hitter a week. Um, so with that, with the, with the no hitter surge in mind, what do you think is the biggest problem facing baseball right now? Is it the surge in no hitters that I guess was kind of created by baseball? Um, is it the unwritten rules that we just kind of touched on with Tony LaRusso's stuff? Is it maybe just Rob Manfred can't get out of his own way? What do you think is the biggest problem facing baseball? I think you hit the nail on the head with Rob Manfred uh, can't get out of his own way. <laughs> you look at you look at the different uh, rule sets that are being experimented with in in the minor leagues, in independent leagues. Like independent leagues this year are uh, it's, the Frontier League is experimenting with 18 inch wide bases. That's like a, a, a pizza box from Papa John. I mean, come <laughs> on. We don't need that. That's something you do in the backyard. Like, we don't need bigger bases. We just need more eyes on the game. The right. inability to share highlights on social media because MLB 
uh, copyrights the, the heck out of it. And then you look at like blackout restrictions where if you, you can get a subscription to MLB TV, but you can't watch six, I think it's six teams in the Cleveland market that you can't watch. Like it, MLB needs to, to take the NBA's model of here's our highlights. You do what you want with them. Yeah. And that'll put more eyeballs on the game, put more butts and seats at the ballpark. And then the discussion of the unwritten rules, less of a old man yells at cloud situation because we just have more <laughs> eyes on the game and there's, there's less people or like the, the, those negative opinion gets drowned out by the amount of people. I guess that's what I'm trying to no, say. No, no, I, I get it. And, and I totally agree. I think um, it just seems like every time Rob Manfred or baseball maybe does take like two steps forward, Rob Manfred then does something that makes him take like three steps back. It, it just, it isn't working out in the way that he, he's trying to make changes that bring actual view to the game or attention to the game, and it's just backfiring royally. royally excuse me. Tommy Caroselli of the Gap to Gap podcast joining us, also a coach over at Solon High School. You can follow him on Twitter at tcaroselli8. Just a couple more things for you here. Let's talk Indians for a quick second. And we were just having this conversation uh, last segment before we brought you on here, Tommy. Despite the fact that the Indians have now lost Framil Reyes last weekend, who was their top home run hitter, their top RBI producer at the time, Zach Plesak now, who's been solid in that two spot in the rotation, um, and now Jordan Luplo as of last night with his ankle injury, who was in the top four in terms of driving in RBIs this year for them. Despite all that, somehow, someway, the Indians are above 500. They're in the mix for the playoffs. They're still in the hunt for the division, only two games back. I know it's still early, so a lot can still change. But we were having the conversation, if the Indians were to make the playoffs this year, given everything about this team, the payroll being $40 million, you lose a guy like Francisco Lindor, whether or not that's good or bad, I guess can be debated, but we know obviously he's a star player. Um, And now all these injuries that are just piling up for this team, and they're still finding a way. Would this be Terry Francona's best managerial performance if he gets this team to the postseason? Ooh, I like that question, and I think think you're right. I think it, it would be. You could maybe argue uh, breaking the, the curse in 04, but at the same time, that team was loaded with talent. So when you, when you look at, yeah, make, making the best out of your lineup, out of your roster as a manager, I would agree. This, is, this would probably be it. Because, I mean, you look at just, just the pitching. You send down Tristan McKenzie, and then you recall him before he can get a start at AAA because we wanted to get his confidence up. Oh, wait, nope, you're going to start on Tuesday night. Like, what are we doing? Like, like the – the amount of bad luck the Indians have had, and then you look at a guy like Roberto Perez, who has such good control of that staff going down with an injury, too. I, I definitely think, uh, that, to your point, it would be his best uh, managerial job to get this team to the playoffs. Baseball reference has the Indians right now at a 31.5% chance to make the playoffs. I think they got a better chance than that. But, uh, yeah, definitely he'd have to, in the words of uh, Tony Romo, pull a rabbit out of his head. All right, well, hey, I'll take it. You're on my side and, and not Max, so, so I'll, I'll take that every day. Hey, Tommy, we're out of time. I was going to ask you a couple more here, but, again, I got to let us I gotta let's get to break. So either way, we'll definitely continue this conversation again sometime. Really appreciate you joining us. Again, Tommy Caroselli of the Gap to Gap podcast, also a coach over at Solon High School. Again, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Spencer. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Take care, Tommy. You too. All right, that'll do it. Appreciate again, Tommy, coming on the show on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. 
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 